The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Welcome to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. Joining me today is Jerry Karaya, and the big, big news we want to talk about today and dig into is, of course, the interest rate rise from the Bank of Canada. Uh, that was it, Jerry. Inevitable. That was the last nail in the coffin of inflation is transitory. Mm-hmm. They've walked that back. Now they want to try to get interest rates up to 2-3%, and what... I think today we have to discuss what the effects of raising interest rates is going to be in an environment where inflation, according to shadow stats, is north of 15%. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, we were just talking to Paul, and you were mentioning yesterday, it was, well, how is inflation higher in the States and lower in Canada? Right. Let's start there. Again, it's the measurement of how things are measured here in Canada versus the U.S., and the, the way that they have used the metrics over the, over the course of decades have continuously changed. It was different in the 90s for the CPI here in Canada than it was in the 80s. But if we use the 80s metrics and 90s metrics, it's much, much higher. Um, and if we use the metrics in the 90s, it would be in line with where the, the U.S. is at around. I mean, they're, they're stating about 8 to 9%. That would, that's where we would end up if we use the 1990s metrics for CPI. But... You know the basket that they that they're using for gauging and measuring our inflation is just simply wrong, and also just how you would value the currency dollar. How do you value the dollar? People would say, well, it's it's one twenty eight against the U.S. dollar. Well, that's not really a measurement. That's they're both floating, right? How do Correct. you how do you know what the value is? And they've made it so difficult to understand what that value is, and that's been part of the trick. Mm-hmm. The part of the trick is to not know what the value of your dollar is so you don't have an anchor in which to measure and gauge things if prices are rising or falling, mm-hmm. right? People think, oh, just because the stock market's rising, that means you're doing better. Not if the inflation rate is is destroying you. Right. You know, in two thousand post-2008, it took people five years to get back to break even from what happened in the subprime collapse. And yet... They got only back to break even on paper. What about the inflation rate over the last over the, the, that five year period, right? Even if it was four percent a year, five percent a year, that's that's you're still twenty five percent short, mm-hmm. right? So that's something that people don't really perceive. And I, this is kind of the interesting thing about inflation these days is you can perceive it, right? Um, for for years we've talked about inflation being government stating 2%, it's probably more closer to 5 or 6 and so you're being robbed every decade of 50% of your purchasing power. Mm-hmm. That's 100% of your purchasing power over a decade, mm-hmm. um, over a 20-year period, I should say. But now, at 15%, that's a much faster clip, so it's obvious to everyone. Mm-hmm. And how do, how do people deal with that? You, what do you do? Buy more stock? Hmm. And, you know, this is... A, a hot topic, yes, and it probably probably is one that people are just tired of hearing. Inflation, inflation, inflation. But it's a huge problem because it's not just the loss of our purchasing power. It has an impact, a negative impact on the entire supply on the entire supply chain. We can see that not just in the prices, but look at the shelves today. The shelves are getting more more and more bare as we go and more and more 
uh, alarm bells are being sounded about, you know, you may, may have to stock up a little bit more uh, coming up in the next few months because we just don't know exactly how this will uh, this will play out the next next near term. It is theft. It's it's theft of the fruits of your labor. It's theft mm-hmm. of the money that you have earned. And this was posted on on Telegram. It's a just a picture showing what uh, showing a gold coin in 1932 and a $20 bill. Because a gold coin in 1932 was worth $20 US. So what could you buy with that $20 coin? You could buy 482 gallons of gas, 427 gallons of milk, 675 dozen eggs, and 2,700 first-class stamps. Today, a $20 bill will buy you 7 gallons of gas, not 482. 6.3 gallons of milk, not 427, 10 dozen eggs, not 675 dozen eggs, and 40 first-class stamps, not 2,700 first-class stamps. I hope you're starting to get a sense of just how much we've been robbed Mm -hmm. of our wealth, of what we should be able to afford our family, afford for ourselves, produce, if if we still had all that wealth and had the access to that wealth that's been taken away from us. How? Taxation, and more importantly, and more quietly and secretly, inflation. That's right. And inflation has had impact as well on asset classes, on certain places where people traditionally put their money, whether it be the stock market, whether it be properties. These are assets that have positively been impacted by inflation, by the two things that can cause inflation, which is ultra-loose monetary policy, low interest rates. That environment was around since 08 and has continued to be low. Further, you're talking about stimulus. Have assets appreciated because of this this stimulus, this artificial stimulus? Of course they have. But in an environment where we're now seeing stagflation being the number one concern in Europe, those asset classes that have benefited up until now have a limited lifespan. Investors today need to start pivoting with the rest of the world. The rest, the rest of the world, especially in the eastern countries, have already pivoted. They've already got out of these yield, uh, chasing the yield. And now they're looking for real assets. What is the real asset? What is that real money that you should be looking towards. That's physical gold and silver in your portfolio and getting away from chasing the yield. Don't chase the yield. Chase generational wealth. Chase a future and chase a a future pivot where you can have the moves and counter moves if you have to. Cue the number, 18778silver, the website guildhallwealth.com. You're right. This is about owning physical precious metals. If gold is the peak of an inverted pyramid, the, the paper Ponzi scheme is coming to an end. You have to protect yourself. And one of the best ways to protect yourself is with a physical hard asset, real money. That's why we call it the Real Money Show, because gold has been real money for thousands of years. And at Guildhall, we only offer physical gold, physical silver, direct for purchase. Take it home. Store it yourself. You can utilize our facility where we do offer allocated, segregated storage, or even hold it in a registered account where it's held outside the banking system. So in that way, you're not invested in equities. 
you're physically holding money. You're physically holding an asset, which is going to benefit ultimately from from what we're seeing with this inflation. But Jerry, let me ask you, we're talking about, you know, the the uh, Bank of Canada raising interest rates by 50 basis points. And the question is, is, okay, we know we could put a nail in the coffin of transitory inflation, but is 50 basis points enough? Is getting to 3% enough given how much money or how much cash, how much currency that they've just created and the debt spending that they've done and you know anyone who starts to dig into the budget and see where they're where they're spending the the money it's it's incredible i mean why can't they fix a road why <laughs> can't point. you fix a road like for all the money you're just sending overseas can't you fix a road can't you give us something <laughs> no they give you a little bit they give you know they spend how many over billions of dollars and they go you know what we'll give you we'll give you uh 50 million oh, yeah right we'll we'll give back a little bit it's no different it's no different than when JP Morgan makes hundreds of millions of dollars and then gets slapped with a fine for 50 million 20 million it's literally 10% of what of what they've gained of course they're willing to give you that yes they need to do that that's the only that's the only tool that you can use to quell this worrisome inflationary figure that people already know is well above 5%. And when the Bank of Canada spoke this week, they admitted, yeah, you know what? It's not 5.1%. It's more, it's, we'll probably average, average 6.1%. Okay, that's, uh, okay, not even, not even close to what we're seeing at the pumps in the food and, and housing prices. Is 50 basis points really going to do and quell that inflation? Of course not. And they actually were cited in saying that they're going to be, they're going to have to go very aggressive in helping and raising interest rates. Normally, you see a loony react to that. We did not see the loony react. It actually reacted maybe less than 1% up. So the loony went up a little bit yesterday, but it's lost all the gains. Everything has already been digested. And we're looking forward to the next monetary policy hike of another 50 basis points. And they're going to continue to do this until they say, enough is enough. Let's cut. Ultimately, what that means, Jeremy, like other central banks, it's a central bank monetary policy failure. It's bust. And when that happens, it's just another nail in the coffin for trust. And they could have done this years ago. They could have raised interest rates years ago. They could have done it under Janet Yellen. They could have been raising interest rates. I mean, they tried in 2018 and it failed. The market completely uh, went wonky, right? Yep. In 2018, December 2018, the market fell something like 20, 20%. And then, you know, they had to bring in the plunge protection team to get it back up by the end of the year. I was listening and they were talking on CNBC about, well, hopefully next year we can make back half of these losses. And then magically, you know, putting the putting the bobbleheads on, on CNBC, they must have been spinning their heads going, well, how did that miracle happen? It happened nonetheless. But here we are, post-COVID, we're not back to normal. We're far from back to normal because now we're dealing with all of the economic consequences. And you know who's been telling you that this was going to happen? We have mm -hmm. right here on The Real Money Show. We've been telling you that 
we we're never going to get back to normal, that we would have to deal with the economic consequences of this. And we're going to talk about more of that on the next uh, segment here on The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com, and you're listening on AM640. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com. You know, uh, Jerry, we were focusing on the interest rates, but also kind of discussing it from a geopolitical standpoint. And I think that uh, that, it, that gives gold and silver an interesting position globally in that it is so tied into geopolitics. It's not just some sort of commodity that trades out there that is independent of what's happening globally. It's so tied into geopolitics. It's also tied into the money system and the central bank system in in so much as the central banks are trying to ignore it mm-hmm. and they're trying to, to do what they're trying to do. I'd like to discuss that as well, this idea of you know, I, I always ask this on the show because I think it's just such an interesting topic of do they know what they're doing? Are they really that stupid? Or is this is this done on purpose? You have at some point you kind of say there's there's a pattern here that says they're not they're not just doing this willy nilly. But let's first talk about um, what's happening in the silver and gold market. Let's look at, um, you know, some of the pricing that's been going on. Over the last seven days, silver in U.S. dollars has moved up from 2440 to above 2560. I think that's a pretty fantastic move over a seven-day period. Gold has had a tremendous move over the last seven days, moving from a little over $1,900 an ounce. We were wondering, oh, are we going to hold $1,900 kind of, kind of feeling? All of a sudden, bang, we're trading up near 1980 you know, we've moved up a, a significant $50 move in gold. All of a sudden, we're on the cusp of $2,000 gold. What do you make of those type of moves? Well, just pulling some information from FX Empire, a foreign exchange blog, that silver markets are continuing to rally, rally was their headline. The silver markets rallied, as you mentioned, about from 2480 up to 26, probably going to penetrate 26 probably in the next few days. Saw a little bit of a pullback today. Uh, on the back of some news from Europe, uh, a European central bank says that they, they may not be able to hike rates and, and that weakened and boosted the dollar a little bit. But we're seeing a lot of um, well, positive think, moves on the gold of, market. Sorry, I think that idea, not to go back to geopolitics, yeah. but it seems like you know the Fed in the U.S. is starting to talk about, well, we're going to tighten, we're going to raise interest rates and tighten. And then all of a sudden, like like right on cue, Europe comes out and says, well, we're not going to raise interest rates and we're going to do whatever it takes to, to, to keep pushing money into the market. It's like they just took the turn. That's right. Right? <laughs> exactly. They'll do it for a little while and then eventually they'll say, okay, we, we're going to stop. And then the Fed will be like, well, we'll, we'll start printing again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And as uh, like FX Empire, they see these actions and they see this just as a temporary ploy, a total knee-jerk reaction to these markets because nonetheless, this market right now is is looking as though it wants to charge a lot higher. If you look at their charts, you can see that um, that gold and silver have broken above a massive uh, technical formation called a shooting star from a couple days ago, which su- suggests that we are ready to move a lot higher. 
and all things being equal, they say this is a market that I, that they think will shoot towards the highs again, because quite frankly, they write the inflationary situation alone demands that metals continue to strengthen. So that fundamental alone will be the tailwind for precious metals. And because of this, metals have to be bought in every single dip that that is possible. This is a market uh, that is staged to go higher, but so will gold. Speaking of gold, they pay close attention to this because a lot of the times it will front run silver and therefore it can give you a little bit of a heads up. And right now we saw a little bit of a pullback in silver, but gold is hanging firm. Around the 1970 mark, we may see a support of about 1920, 1880, lower end support, but we're seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of buying opportunities, a lot of people taking advantage of any single pullback. These are nice buying opportunities and as they wrote, they are in the midst of a huge bullish flag. They don't anticipate prices, silver and gold markets to break down. There are too many support levels that this is going to be difficult to change the overall trend anytime soon. The trend is still our friend in precious metals. The market continues to be very noisy, but that is typical for silver. So keep that in mind. Silver and gold will probably continue to rally, Jeremy. I love that. Let's talk about pullbacks in the market. Someone, if someone you were speaking to and they said, well, you know, the price has moved out. It could always move back down. Where could it move back down to? Well, we see some clear support levels. I mean, you have to also keep in mind what currency are you buying in as well. Be, keep in mind that you may be holding Canadian dollars like many of us, and you may see a drop in the gold or silver prices in the U.S. What is your loony doing? So you don't want to take – you do want to take advantage of the dips, but also be very, very mindful of what your currency is doing. Buy in the dips when you can. But the name of the game is to convert out of your currency and into precious metals. I think it also depends on your position. You know, if you look at Jim Rogers, I remember over, over that kind of consolidating period, let's say 2016 through 2020, you'd see him in interviews and he'd say, he'd give you the, a ridiculously low gold price of what it would take for him to buy back, to buy more into the market. Why? Because he was fully positioned. Yeah. Right? So it's easy to wait for dips and be patient if you're fully positioned. If you're, if you're not fully positioned, if you don't have an allocation of gold and silver, what do you? What would you be waiting for exactly? You have to start somewhere. That's right. As as far as downward, what could happen on a downward side? Look at the premiums. The premiums are higher than they've ever been in the physical market because demand is outstripping supply, at least at the retail level from what we can see. I mean, I thought we were going to get a break. I thought no, somehow, no. Or, uh, you know, over the last week and a half, I thought, yeah, maybe we'll get a little bit of a break, uh, do some paperwork and clean. No, it's it's not really let up. Um, you know, it seems that one thing is leading to another. There was government overreach that scared a bunch of people. They decided, yeah, it's time to get in. And then all of a sudden the inflation story is happening and interest rates are rising. And it's, oh, and, and you know, when interest rates are rising, when Greenspan was raising rates, on the day it would happen, people would say, the market would go up or down. Didn't really matter because at the end of the day, what the narrative was is, so you mean there's inflation <laughs> and you're trying to fight it? Yes. Maybe I should get some gold. Exactly. And so gold was rising through that whole period from you know 2003 till 2008, pulled back and then bang, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is also interesting from a technical perspective, by the way. I was listening to uh, Rafi Farber 
um, who does great updates on the silver market. He pulled stuff. out a chart that matched what's going on in the gold market, matched exactly what was happening. In lockstep, in, yeah, I saw that. Post-2008, basically saying we are so on the verge of a major breakdown. But in terms of a pullback, you know, you've premiums are so high, so where is the price supposed to go? If the paper price went down, does a wholesaler all of a sudden say, oh, I can buy a whole bunch of gold cheaper? No, they're not buying it cheaper. Is the mining selling? Is the miners going to sell it to them cheaper? No, no they're, they're liable to just shut their doors and say, mm. no. That's right. No, you want me to sell you gold at what price? I don't <laughs> think so. So any pullback in my estimation would be a complete aberration mm -hmm. to, to the physical world price. Mm -hmm. So I do question what the limits in the physical price would be if there was some sort of pullback. Mm -hmm. So I'm not quite sure what we would be looking for in that case. Any final thoughts on that topic? And especially um, like with regards to pullbacks, um, we should anticipate, I mean, the old, the old uh, news cycles would tell us that, you know, if you have interest rate hikes, you'll have rising yield, strong dollar. Therefore, in terms of the old correlations, the negative correlation, that means gold should be falling, shouldn't it? But not today. That whole correlation, that negative correlation, we're not seeing that. We're seeing the resiliency of gold. We're seeing gold moving in lockstep with the U.S. dollar. And as Matt Pippenberg wrote from Gold Switzerland, shouldn't stronger U.S. bode poorly for gold? I mean, the asset MSNBC pundits usually say, well, we have rising yields, rising rate, so this is bad for gold. That's not the case because— They're playing catch-up. Exactly. Because as Matt writes, this— this new abnormal is here to stay. When the dollar is so fully debased, distrusted, and set for a fall, and when countries are moving away from a, and the, the U.S. dollar uh, world's reserve currency, and even when rising yields bankrupt Uncle Sam, all the old rules change. The old correlations don't matter anymore. And when we're seeing the, uh, a new shifting away from debt dollars and into real assets, Gold is a barometer of economic health, and it's doing that today more so than ever before. So ultimately, we have to be mindful of what these central banks can do, and we know our central banks have no more room. They have no more weaponry, and the worst is our central bank has no gold. And in a market where we're seeing a new reset, you're going to have to do this yourselves. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to get your gold yourself. There's Buy on the dips if you can, but I, I echo you, Jeremy. You could do that. You can buy in the dips if you're already fully fully invested in precious metals. The number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com. Yeah, there's there's no no gold in the vaults in Canada. You you have to take care of yourself. No one's gonna come save you financially in this type of environment. And the fact that they want to raise interest rates in this environment and and in some ways create the stagflation. Look, it was so easy. For, for central banks to just sit back for years and say, we're going to keep rates low. We're going to keep rates low. We're going to keep rates low. Mark Carney would come out and say, look, we're going to keep the rates low. But hey, don't take that as, a, as an indicator to go out and spend, borrow a whole bunch of money, right? I remember he, he'd at least give that warning. They haven't given warnings like that for, for years at this point. And raising interest rates 50 basis points won't do anything except hurt people. At this point. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing? What is the whole purpose here? I mean, if you want to be conspiratorial, they're trying to crash the economy. 
They want people to suffer. They want, if I wouldn't be surprised at this point that, and you know they're going there, they've talked about it. They go, okay, we're going to switch to a new currency. Going to be digital, digit, central bank digital currency. And by the way, we're going to put 20 grand in the account for you. Ooh, go nice. and spend it. There you go, new currency. Just sign up. Just sign up. So easy. That's it. You know, no charges. Facebook doesn't charge you anything. They have all your data. If you don't like what you're saying, and they're putting bills through left, right, and center about they don't like what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Can't spend that 20000 anymore. No. Right? Of course, any government could easily say, open the vault. There's our eight tons of gold. There's our three tons of gold. We're going to peg our dollar to, to gold. Right? Let's have gold revalued. People would say, oh, there's not enough gold. There's always enough gold mm-hmm. at the right price. That's right. Let's revalue it to $25,000 and bang, we can pay off all the debts, pay off everybody. We're right back to start square one. Here's the new Canadian dollar. They probably mm-hmm. want to get it to the Amaro. Who knows? Remember that? Maybe the Amaro. <laughs> that was a novel, a novel <laughs> idea. Let's, let's keep it going. We'll talk about the benefits of owning physical hard assets Real Money. It's the Real Money Show. The number one eight seven seven eight silver The website, guildhallwealth.com. It's AM640, and we'll be right back. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show. The number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website, guildhallwealth.com. Jerry, what would you say if someone said, well, the, the price of gold is only what we, what we make the price of gold, what we believe the price of gold to be? What would you, how would you respond to someone saying something like that? Well, that would be the definition of what a fiat currency is. But when we talk about assets like gold and silver, natural fancy color diamonds, these are assets that have intrinsic value, value that, have, that goes beyond time. I mean, we go back to biblical times. Gold and silver have that value. It's there in the scriptures. You can read all about it. So it has an intrinsic value, which goes beyond our human understanding. And the mere fact that we always, the humans tend to always gravitate towards gold and silver, it's almost in our DNA to want these assets, to go after and clamor for these assets. So because we're all made out of stardust. That's right. <laughs> and so is gold. And so is gold, baby. It's made of stardust. That's right. But, you know, part of that is the intrinsic value being that there's, you know, gold has functions, but the innate function of it doesn't erode, it won't corrode. Thousands of years, pull it out of the ground, it's exactly as it was. And so that use of it, that physical use of it gives it that innate value, which is why they've always used it as money. It's always been attributed as money because it is a store of wealth. Mm-hmm. You know, put a dollar bill in the ground for a thousand years, what do you have? Nothing. You'd have dust. That's right. Right? Is our cryptocurrency going to be around in 20 years? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe the technology is. I mean, did you think CDs weren't going were, were gonna to be around for the next 100 years? gone 20 years gone right so technology is great technology is always moving but we can't always just bow at the altar of technology either we also have to think about things that are real and things that have always been around and that's what that's where you store wealth Mm -hmm. so not just in not just in precious metals but also in other things that are very rare you know you could have 
you could have antiques, you could have vintage cars. Um, sure, real estate, if you, if you own it outright, that kind of thing, if it's, if it's not debt related, but also natural fancy colored diamonds. Rarity, Jeremy, this is what it comes down to. Negatively correlated assets to fiat, anything paper-based, and one asset is a natural fancy colored diamond because they are ultimately rare. And I take a quote from the president of Graf, Henry Bagurgian, who says, I'd rather have my money in rare diamonds than in stocks or a bank. That speaks volumes. He knows the, the nature of the banking system. There's so many counterparties involved. There's so many mini institutions and the SWIFT system. Everyone knows that the stock market has been bought up with stimulus. So why not put your money into something rare? He hits the nail right on the head is rarity. Yeah, you know, oftentimes when we're talking with with people who are looking to get involved in the hard asset market, and we're not we're not advisors, but just as an observation, I find that a lot of people are kind of working backwards. You know, we talk about what makes a diversified portfolio. It's having negatively correlated assets. If all of your assets are in um, dollar denominated instruments, then if the dollar is losing value, even if the you know even if the price is rising, quote unquote price, are you gaining? Right? You need negatively correlated assets. If the dollar is falling and the dollar becomes worthless, all of those paper assets are worthless. If the dollar becomes worse, worthless, gold becomes priceless because mm -hmm. it's an asset. So you have that negatively correlated asset. But most people are working backwards in the sense that they already have those equities. And now they're looking to get the foundation in their portfolio before as a, as a defense instead of starting with the foundation and building from there, mm -hmm. right? So for myself personally, uh, and I know other clients feel the same way, if having already owned physical gold, I have the insurance policy and the diversification that I can go out and, and make other investments, invest in stocks and whatever it is, because I already have the safety and the knowledge of that physical negatively correlated asset that, and that if this stock goes down, it's okay, I've got, my, I've got the gold. And I feel like that should be the same way that people approach the diamonds as well. Diamonds over time become an investment, not, not out the gate. It takes, a, it takes a decade for it to become an investment. I'm sure you saw um, the uh, Ben Affleck got engaged again, mm -hmm. right? J-Lo's amassed an incredible diamond collection yeah. <laughs> from, her, from her engagements. But her first diamond, he bought a pink diamond for her. And I think he paid like three million, and it's worth ten or eleven million today. Mm. That's inside of a decade. So he had to up the ante and go green, which is even more rare than pink, and right. had to buy. I think he paid like eight million or something. You know, you can see the the math on it. You know, to have a pink diamond uh, ten years ago, bang, it's moved up really, really well. Now, in that sense, what you're seeing as well is what's different about a diamond than other types of investments per se, and again, a diamond will become an investment over time, is that you know, if you put $100,000 into a stock, you, you still only get the same stock at the same price. But if you put $100,000 into a diamond, you're getting more rarity, more value, bigger diamond, mm -hmm. right? And so that leads to more. It's kind of like saying, it's kind of the difference between a million dollar house and an $8 million house, mm -hmm. right? that you're, you've got that much more you're working with. Now, it, the inventory might move slower, right? But there's more money in it too. Mm -hmm. So there's an offset.
Mm-hmm. That that's our job here at, at Guildhall is to identify and to build a proper hard asset portfolio based on your budget. What you're looking for is a little bit of a short term. We talk about what is a good short term play. If you're a real real estate investor, you want gold. If you're a little bit medium term, you get the silver. If you're a longer term generational wealth, you've already had and amassed your silver and gold. While your diamond is a perfect play. And as you mentioned before, a hundred thousand, two hundred is is getting yourself into a very special stone. One in a, in about ten to twenty years will will do your family wonders, especially when you have. All of these negative things happening with our currency, people don't want more paper in their portfolios. All of these fund managers, I have a list of all of these new fund managers today, addressing stagflation, which is no growth, high inflation. They're going for real assets. What is your real asset? It must be gold, silver, and a natural fancy color diamond. And think about this for a moment: the amount when you look at a vivid yellow diamond, internally flawless, one carat, the two most Popular cuts are radiant and cushion, and combined, you're looking at less than 100 a year come to market. So as an, as stagflation starts to really ramp up, as inflation continues to hit hard, as people decide to make changes to their portfolio and get out of debt-related instruments and fiat currency-related instruments, and they want to move towards something like a natural fancy color diamond, and there's only 50, 60 internally flawless yellow diamonds in the world that year you've got a market that's about to explode and i know that all of the colored diamond dealers feel the same way it's funny that they that they echo what we're talking about in terms of the fundamentals that people who want to own natural fancy colored diamonds do so because they're looking to protect protect against dollar devaluation they want to protect family wealth they want to be able to transfer it easily with not a lot of paperwork. They want something that's transportable as well. I think that's something that people should consider as part of your portfolio, right? And it's something that you should be able to sit on for a long time to really be able to see what it can do for you, right? You don't want to pull pull the, the plant up and look at the roots after three, four years. I don't think that does anybody any good. But over a longer period, it becomes very exciting. And I know for us, looking back at some of the prices that we paid a, a while back, it's it's extreme mm-hmm. of what things are going for today. And I know even some of our wholesalers are willing to buy back stuff at a higher price than what we paid. Yeah. Right? Um, so that's a great sign for where things are moving forward. And of course, the Argyle mine's closed. That's it. No more pinks. And uh, so we'll see what happens in the diamond market. It's definitely something to keep an eye on. That's right. And as far as mining goes, I mean, currently there are no other pink diamond mines or deposits. We talked about the Argyle, which is responsible for, well, was responsible for 90% of the world's, world's pink diamonds. And even if another deposit of pink diamond bearing ore is discovered, it takes an average of 10 years for a mine to proceed from discovery to production. So that alone right there, that's a stat that really hones in on the rarity of a stone. And I think right now we have... Four, four smaller Argyle diamonds that are VV, VS quality or above, which is amazing for for Argyle diamonds because they're they they're small to begin with, so you can't cut them to internally flawless. So VS quality is really really good for a pink diamond, and we've got some Argyles, so you can give us a call and we can look through what we have and and talk about it. We'll get them more up on the site as we go, but we've managed to get a few, and uh, I think that's going to be something to take a look at. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, 
guildhallwealth.com. Let's talk, get back into the gold and silver market and the geopolitics of it all because it's so exciting. There's just so much happening in the world. It's The Real Money Show on AM640. We'll be right back. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com. Always like getting articles out from Matterhorn Asset Management. Um, this one comes from Matthew Pippenberg. And uh, here's a great quote, Jerry. Quote, meanwhile, as Western central banks try to manage the optics of their increasingly discredited and dis- disastrous policies, i.e. blaming everything on a politicized pandemic and, unavoidable, and an avoidable war, The world is rapidly moving in a new direction. This direction is sailing away from the world reserve currency in general and Western financial controls in particular, all of which we've warned would happen as the West shot itself in the foot with sanctions otherwise aimed at the Russian at Russia's chest. Mm -hmm. They're poking the bear. Yeah. Why poke the bear? Well, with the sanctions that kind of you can't pull the sanction back, even if you relent You've already slapped the bear. You've already poked it. And these are, this is financial warfare here that we're seeing, Jeremy. The financial war was waged on Canadians when they drafted the bail-in clause. Sanctions have always been something that have, will, be, will be deployed if all else fails. And unfortunately for them, inflation and, and the distrust of the U.S. dollar has caused countries to move away. And just to pivot away. And the funny thing is, or the most interesting thing is, is that they've all pivoted with gold. It's not this digital asset. They've moved away with the one valuable asset class that can start up an organization, a cooperation. And what we've what we're seeing now is a new a new organization being built revolving around gold, revolving around China and Russia. A couple of years ago, Jeremy, another article came across uh, my desk from Bullion Star Ronan Manley, who talked about the the growing um, associations between uh, this uh, China and Russia, particularly Russia's NFA, which is the National Financial Association, which has a huge precious metals associate body, uh, which is uh, built with some of these gold heavyweights, four of which were sanctioned, by the way three of which or two of which were kicked off the LBMA, but they don't care. They've already pivoted away and they're talking about, uh, you know, uh, helping each other in this gold market. And we have to remember, this is not the comics we're talking about. This is the Shanghai Gold Exchange. The difference is between the Shanghai Gold Exchange and the comics, one has the gold and one doesn't. And unfortunately for us here in the West, we're still using the comics to price something that they don't have. And forgive me if I'm wrong, you can't price something you don't have. If I was a milk farmer and I had no milk, I can't give up price for milk, right? <laughs> well, you can say, oh, mine's the cheapest. <laughs> Mine, yeah. My milk is the cheapest, but you don't have any. Exactly. So this is a, an amazing pivot, um, this cooperation, and they called it, it's a win-win across the gold markets. They had a, a, a seminar, a webinar between Russia and China, and it was an event called Friendly Cooperation and Share the Opportunities China-Russia Precious Metals Market Webinar, a very long-winded webinar, 
but it's it it's, it tells a tale of a new foundation, a new monetary uh, monetary system, which involves gold. Yeah, I think that the main issue will be not to peg gold, but to let gold price um, be free. But you have to use gold, right? Because mm-hmm. I think pegging it was the problem with the Bretton Woods Accord, is that they pegged it to 35, and then the U.S. just started printing money, and everyone knew, okay, well, then that means $35 an ounce is undervalued. So I'll take the gold, mm-hmm. right? So you want to avoid that by just saying, no, we have a deliberate option. So if you don't like what's happening, you have the option to take this, take this, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what ended the Bretton Woods because people, the factions around the world understood that the gold was undervalued against, against how much money had been printed based on that gold. And so they said, well, give me the gold. And Nixon and his, and his administration said, no, we don't have enough gold, so we're going to shut the window. So you have let it float. And of course, it goes from 35 to 850. So in that, we're seeing everything rhyme again now. The 70s are completely rhyming again. Stagflation, um, oil issues. This could easily drive the price of gold massively higher. I mean, even at that minimum, we get to $6,000 an ounce. You, me, everyone will be so well protected against the inflation that we're experiencing now. We'll be so insulated from all of the issues that people are going to experience by not having these type of assets in their portfolio, in my opinion. And they'll have the bridge to the next financial system because that is coming. Mm -hmm. This one is over. This one ended in 2008. Yeah. They've just let it go, and then they printed more and, and went into more debt, and now it's trying to crash it to get to the next system. Well, you want to be insulated from that. You also want to bridge from that. And the type, of, the type of gains that are going to be had when all of this fiat currency and debt tries to flood into a tiny asset, it's going to be incredibly explosive for the market. And I can only imagine where the price of silver is going to go as a result from this. So I think – it's not just protection, but it's the potential as well to profit if you're prepared. Mm-hmm. If you're prepared, you're not just going to survive. You're going to thrive. We want to we help people to get to that sort of level. And I truly believe with all you – know, we've been doing this for 15 years. All of the research tells me this thing is going to go massively higher. And it doesn't matter what the price is. It matters how, what, that, what those ounces buy you. Mm-hmm. And in the future – the purchasing power of gold is going to go sky high. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver The website, guildhallwealth.com. Jerry, that does it for another edition of The Real Money Show. Thank you so much. Great chatting with you. Always, Always. great conversation. Um, so much enjoy it. And to everyone who's listening, we love having you as listeners. If you missed a show, you can catch it on YouTube. Uh, just go to Guildhall Wealth. You can find us on YouTube. Also, follow us on Telegram and on Twitter. And uh, happy Easter, everyone. We look forward to speaking with you next week here on The Real Money Show on AM640. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.